everybody. Welcome to the Generation Church Podcast, a podcast about everyday people who are committed to expanding God's family because of Jesus for generations to come. My name's John. I'm the engagement pastor here at Generations Church, and I'm sitting here today with Kyle Davies, the lead pastor. <laughs> Kyle, I just got to ask to start us off. How are you feeling today? I'm, I'm doing great. I'm feeling I've bounced back from the weekend uh-huh. and uh, I, I'm doing well. I'm feeling feeling kind of fire right now. Feeling on fire? Not yeah. like your stomach's on fire? No, no. It's I'm, I'm hoping what happens in our podcast today is maybe, maybe what happened on Sunday because I'm going to be honest. I'm not quite sure I remember what I exactly said on Sunday. So those of you who are watching, yeah, we're listening. I'm, I'm not quite sure exactly what I said. So I'm hoping to learn about some of what I said <laughs> in today's discussion. Yeah, it was, it was a fun and interesting weekend all around. Uh, there was some sickness that went around and everything, but it was, it was a cool weekend to see that even in the midst of sickness, and people not being able to be there because of that and the hindrance that sometimes that will bring about is that there is such a core team that just kind of rallied despite that. Yep. That God is still going to work despite yes. uh, those little uh, minor things that happen. Yeah. Those things are going to happen. Yes. But God is still going to work. And I mean, I guess he spoke through you. I yeah. Mean, it wasn't I... like chunks flying out. Rather, it yes. was God's word flying yeah. out of you, right? Yeah. Is Different. that what you were saying? Yeah, yeah. Something basically like that. I, I wrote a post specifically on my personal Facebook page, like Sunday afternoon, and it just, at one point in the service, man, I was just just weeping because it's like I felt terrible, and I don't know how I was able to stand up and basically teach for 30 minutes, and instead of vomit coming out of my mouth, it was cool to just kind of almost feel God's word, just presence coming out of my mouth. So he, I always say, you know, he, he quieted, uh, my stomach and just basically sp- spoke out my mouth. So it's well, rather rather than the opposite way around of I mean, quieting my mouth. I was going to say, no, we're all in my stomach coming out. Yeah, I mean, we had some people sitting front row, and so I guarantee all of us were pretty glad Splash about them. Yeah, right. <laughs> zone. Oh my gosh, a little Shamu show going on. Oh goodness, Kyle. So <laughs> you just like that imagery, don't you? Oh, I <laughs> hate every second of that. For those of you that don't know, I have a weak stomach. I let's just say my gag reflex is not the best, and I have a lot of vomit stories. You should ask my wife Hannah about some of those. She loves to share those and embarrass me about them. And they happen at the most inopportune moments in our life and relationships, and it just always circles back around. But it's fun. We move on. Kyle, I I think it's funny because. Like you made this comment in your um, on your Facebook post of everything about like how just emotional you were and like tears come to your eyes. Let me just ask you, like you talked about going to the chiropractor. How many tears came out in your different visits there? So so no official tears, but I will say after each and every visit, I have have been sore, been less sore the more that I've gone. I'm actually again looking forward to my visit this Thursday to get realigned, to get adjusted because boy, have I needed it. But let me tell you that after that first visit, I was walking a little gingerly and I (laughs) I felt it all over my body. So no tears, but definitely feel the adjustment that was being made. Mm. And I love it because you, you use that in a powerful way this weekend or bringing this around to this concept of not just realigning ourselves physically because when your spine's out of, out of line, you're going to be in some pain, yeah. but even yeah. just 
realigning ourselves in our walk with God. Mm. And you had a powerful way in which you talked about that because basically you took it back to just the functionality of how we live out our values mm. is by choosing to align our way yeah. with the way of Jesus. And you even mentioned that sometimes uh, it's easy for us to kind of slip out of alignment yep. when we are in need of being realigned. And so kind of like you mentioned, uh, you kind of briefly mentioned this at some point, but what are maybe some barriers or maybe even habits that develop in our life or show up mm. that can be hindering us from aligning ourselves and living out this give over get in which we talk about? Well, I think just some natural barriers are some past hurts. So if you've been someone who you, you, you extended a little bit of generosity mm. and you feel taken advantage of, and that, that goes right to the core because it makes you question your identity yeah. and like, and, and really who you are is, am I, are you seen as someone and are you someone that others think they can take advantage of you? And so there's an identity component, component and, it, and it hits us to our core. So what I would say a barrier is past hurts, experiences where generosity has been extended and, and in some ways you've been taken advantage of or it's not been reciprocated. I think mm. that's, that's the other piece of this is, is our past and our experience that, that barrier is we long for that to be reciprocated. And so we, sometimes we feel like all we do is give and give and give. And, and we, we long, will someone give something back to me? And I, I heard this phrase that was a long time ago where it was something like you, people feel and experience love in all kinds of different ways. And a true act of love is only when someone else feels loved. So even sometimes as we think about giving and generosity, we have to remember that we have to, If we may even think that we're being generous or giving something to the other person, yeah. but if they don't truly feel loved or valued, then we really haven't given them anything at all. And so just for those of you who feel like, well, when someone brings that up to you of like, well, you've never given me anything return, and you start to list off a list of things. It's like, remember, those things may not have been bad things. They may have been good efforts, but you also have to take in mind of what the actual person is going to feel, like how they're actually going to feel loved and cared for. And that's that's at the heart of this give over get is, mm. is having an activity or a posture um, or a response that tangibly helps the other person feel loved, feel cared for, feel, feel valued, um, basically be moved towards a better sense of wellness or wholeness. And so uh, so that, that can be bare past experiences, past hurts, mm -hmm. not, not being on the receiving end. And I think just just habits of poor, poor money habits. We're talking about finances this, this past week and in yeah. this podcast. So just, just poor discipline and money habits. Um, I think sometimes a lack of information and knowledge of – if, if you're not someone who's a detailed person, you may not even be sure where your money actually goes. Yeah. So, so there's a hesitation and reservation to give because you're not sure if you'll actually have enough in your bank account if, yeah. you, if you do give. Or sometimes maybe you've given in the past, but you've overgiven, you've overextended yourself financially in such ways that you've, you've put yourself in a poor financial position. Mm. And so, so you've given so much that you've actually put yourself – um, into debt or putting yourself behind and you've not been able to pay other other bills. And so I think some, some just, frankly, some poor financial habits yeah. also can contribute to someone's lack of, of generosity. And so just I, I think just some other habits that we might throw into 
might be hindering us from living over give over get is if if we're someone who constantly lives in isolation, mm-hmm. um, if we're not around other people, if if when we look at our schedule and we look at our time that we just we we just kind of don't account for for anyone else in our schedule yeah. we're someone who is unwilling to be interrupted in, in the best possible sense and so um yeah i i just i think those are some barriers and some habits that we have to be on the lookout for mm. and be aware of that if we're not self-aware about some of those barriers and some of those habits then we will be unwilling and, and sometimes even unable to practice give over get yeah, it really kind of takes us being able to identify it within ourselves yeah. of saying, all right, there seems to be almost this disconnection. There seems to be this out of alignment of the way in which I'm living, Jesus has called me to live, or even just the world around me yeah. seems not to be in line with what I'm told, what how things should look. And it almost makes us ask, like, first off, am I truly in alignment? And if not, then it's like, okay, how do I take that next step and realign. And well, and, and I mean, what, what helps us get get there to get realigned and, be, and really truly be self-aware is yeah. we have to know what is influencing us yeah. and and frankly, look at God's word and have other strong believers in our life to, to help us identify maybe some blind spots that even we have yeah. of, of, hey, you know, when, when someone asks you for something, you, you always respond with hesitancy and reservation. Well, if you don't have people in your life that can speak honestly and, and, and speak truth into your life, yeah. when when someone is in need and you and you express that re, uh, hesitancy or reservation, without those other people, you may not have the capacity to be self-aware mm. in that sense. So a couple other things that help us along that journey is having good Christian people that can see our life, that know our blind spots, but also allowing God's word to shape and realign us. And that's that's where I think this passage this week was so powerful is because it, it really challenges us to, to, to make sure that our heart and our treasure um, are, are aligned with God's will and God's way. Mm, I, I love that. And, be, and it goes kind of right into like this next topic I really want to uh, bring up is like you made this identification that obviously this series isn't just all about money. Yeah. Uh, money is just a small piece of the larger puzzle of what mm-hmm. it looks like to live a life of generosity, yeah. to live a life that's give over get. It's not <laughs> all money. Money is a aspect and a part yes. of what it is. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that you basically asked was like, how, how do we handle and think about our money in this reflection of our heart? Okay. Like you kept, you kept bringing up this concept of our Heart and basically talking about mm-hmm. that it communicates our dependence upon God. That when mm-hmm. you um, align your bank account in your heart with God, mm-hmm. like you're living a generous, a generous life. That mm-hmm. it's not about the amount in which you give, but the heart in which you mm-hmm. give with. So, Kyle, where did you get this connection to the heart and money? Like, mm-hmm. where where did that mm-hmm. come out of? I think one. One, the text, as, as Jesus makes some observations with the Pharisees, and or not the scribes in this case, and, and the widow. But I think just some of even my own experience of the competing voices in and around our world. And so as we think about the things that pull us and entice us, at the core of the heart is is like the, the biblical metaphor for like through the will of being, you know, the, the will. It's it's yeah. the desires. It's the, the internal um, 
kind of director, so to speak. So I mean, we could almost think of that in today's terms as like, well, that's my brain. That's how, that's how I think through and decides yeah. things. And, and so sometimes heart includes some of that, includes the will. It's kind of the, sometimes even the emotive um, kind of pull towards things. And so when you throw all of that in, when you have your mind, your heart, your soul, like your strength, that, that, that really capacity, what we're supposed to love God totally with, there's a competing voice in, in all of that. And so we have to figure out which voice are we going to listen to? Are we going to listen to the pull of money? Um, or are we going to listen to the, the pull and the call of God? And Jesus mentions in several places that you can't serve God and money. Like they, they make t- a terrible uh, master. Yeah. And so we have to look at Jesus to say, okay, Jesus, if, if you're our standard, what is his character? What is his priorities? And how does he interact and live this generous life? So that we know that as we look to Jesus' standard, we're going to fall short. We're not, we're not going to completely miss the mark. Yeah. But as we revisit the character and priorities of Jesus and what he calls us to, oh. we will be beckoned towards a, a closer, I think, alignment with his, with his will and his way. So as we look to Jesus, we see certain areas of our life. Maybe it's in our gifting that we've talked about before or yeah. in our relationships. And now in this series in money, maybe there's a point of identification where we're out of alignment and we need Jesus to point that out so then we can be moved towards um, alignment. And mm. so back to your, your question, how does, this, how does this go? It says, Jesus says where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Mm. And so naturally, we can think of treasure in terms of money or finances. Um, but the bigger point is clear. What we value, our heart will be drawn to. Um, Jesus said in another passage we looked at, it's difficult for a rich person to enter heaven because all of their physical needs really can be met yeah. when they have money. And so the longings of their heart, the, the significance, the satisfaction, the security— can honestly be tied to their dependence on money. They, they don't mm. need anything. Like, and so what I would even say is yeah. we can d- d- ascribe some divine attributes to money. And so we have to be careful in how we frame it up. Is it something that we are dependent on or something that we use as a tool or is it a, is it a piece or a part of our life rather than what we're trying to build for our life? So go back to that puzzle metal, metaphor. You know, is are we trying to put all the financial pieces together because that's what we think life is about, or is it a few puzzle pieces where we're looking at okay, how much we make for our job, where our money goes, how our budget's set up, and we recognize well that that's a piece of it, but what ultimately is governing me is the picture of um, Jesus, and so because uh, I mean, if we're honest, here's what's here's what's not that here's what's not that uh, met by money purpose fulfillment community mm. and because even if you have money you know you, you tend to ask the, about the people who are hanging around you are they hanging around me because of my money or because they actually like me and so what happens is there's sometimes there can be this self-consciousness or or just almost this fear of like uh, or this unsatisfaction that's present because you figure out that money ultimately can't mm. satisfy the longings of your heart, even when 
the physical needs that money, like that money you could pay for things can, can meet. Yeah. So, and I, I think it's interesting you mentioned that because it, the temptation is, is that money can almost bring satisfaction even in the right now. I think it's one of the biggest challenges. And we see that in the passage you brought yeah. up that we talked about last week with yeah. the rich young ruler is yeah. that money is such a temptation and it's such a thing that can honestly um, even deter and yeah. take us out of alignment in a sense of what you're talking about in that there is this eternal satisfaction that we find in God, but sometimes that's overshadowed by a right now yeah. satisfaction that can be found in the money and the possessions yeah. in the world. And Jesus says like, Possessions are not bad. Correct. He says they're bad when you find your satisfaction, you find your dependence in the now aspect of these possessions and these worldly things rather than in the eternal inheritance that I am gifting you, that yeah. I'm giving you. Yeah. Well, and even in this passage, what, what you see is how that's framed up is mm. the, the scribes give all this money and then the widow gives these two small mites or coins. And Jesus says, yeah, she gave way more than them. And you're thinking, okay. I may not be a math major or an accountant, but I'm pretty sure if no. they gave it, they gave bags and bags of money, yeah. Quantitatively, she gave way less than they did. Yeah. But but what Jesus again the point of the passage is is qualitatively because of what she gave was sacrificial. It was out of her poverty that she gave. Mm. It really it moved her to a point of she wasn't just giving kind of the bare minimum or that threshold. She was giving it all, which was thus communicating her dependence upon God and really the, the mm. Jewish community rather than the money. And again, the, the scribes, again, it's not bad that they have it. They, they were supposed to be working in the temple. They were, they, they were supposed to be a, yeah. a piece of the system. But they were almost, they were flaunting it. There, there was this arrogance, and, mm. it was, and it was the posture in which they wielded their wealth that ultimately said, well, their heart's not aligned with God at all. Mm. It, because it, it wasn't, it was like, in some ways, I almost imagine this, and this is, this is not in the text anywhere, <laughs> but it's like, almost they're like, yeah, we'll give all this money for show because we know it's coming back to us anyways. Yeah. And al almost, almost in that sense, whereas and the widow, she gives her all... There's no guarantee that in what she gives is going to come back to her. Yeah. Now, on the way, the way she, that, that culture was set up, mm. you're supposed to take care of the widows and orphans. That's supposed to be a part of part of really really yeah. part of part of the culture, and that's not that's not always the case. And you see sometimes when a, for a widow is when the the man of the house is is not there, that they actually can be sunk to poverty if the Jewish community doesn't step up. Yeah. And and Jesus mentions that in a couple other places. And I know you see that in other passages in the Old Testament where yeah. actually Israel didn't faithfully take care of who they were supposed to take care of. And again, in, in all of the gloriousness of their wealth, they're, they're missing the heart. Yeah. The, the reason they're supposed to give specifically in the temple and in, the, and in this time is so that the community has a pool of money to then take care of the rest of their community and further the expansion of of who God is in their time and in their culture. I I love it. We're going to dive a little bit more into that, but I want to I want to hit on something that you kind of you kind of mentioned you threw away a little <laughs> bit as we kind of got into this passage. Is you almost you made this reference that before and after our passage this weekend of Luke 
20, 45 through 21, mm. 4, you basically reference that there's this bookend uh, to this passage, to mm-hmm. these little little stories that we see, that there's these bookends of almost this end times teaching. Well, why is this relevant, and why did you even bring this up to begin with? Like, Well, I, I think it's important to realize that G- Jesus has made his way to Jerusalem mm-hmm. in a few short days. Like, he's going to die and give up his life for us. And so what he is doing for his disciples and those who will listen is he's framing up the temporary in light of the eternal. Mm. And so as he talks about the times that are coming and will come and how other priorities, other fears will basically be be forced to be reckoned with like the will and the way of God. And so it's like, hey, a judgment's coming. Hey, that you know, that you're gonna be held accountable yeah. for for where your priorities, where your character is, mm. and how whether you're aligned with God or, or not. And so he he's basically calling out and setting the lay of the land of saying people are gonna be forced to choose in very real and tangible ways who are they gonna align with. Mm-hmm. Are they going to align with the ways of the world? Or are they going to align with the ways of God? And if they align with the ways of God, which mean, which basically means as things begin to deteriorate in our world and, and things become tougher, mm-hmm. um, money is going to have to be put in its proper place. Yeah. Um, and that, that's where this passage comes in. It's, it's seeing, as you alluded to a minute ago, it's that the temporary fix that maybe money can provide Honestly, in the grand scheme of eternal, like that's it's it's really not not that important. And so Jesus is almost framing that up of like, guys, remember, we got to take the long game here. We got we got to take the long vision. Yeah, we've we've got to we got to think through the eternal lens rather than the temporary. Mm-hmm. And money can be one of the biggest barriers uh, between thinking about the, the temporary yeah. and the the eternal. Yeah, I, I love how you phrase that up because it, it is an easy uh, thing to kind of follow along, especially with so much of what our culture is, is what now is present, what now mm-hmm. is popular. I mean, heck, you can pop on Twitter and it's like the news and it's like what's going on today, what's mm-hmm. going on this past hour. And instead what you see is almost this shift of, hey, like everything in what you think of, it's okay to live in the present, but don't forget to have the hope and big picture. Uh, it's not just, today isn't just like the whole puzzle. It's a little yeah. piece of the larger puzzle to play. Yeah. And so it's basically how are you realigning your heart, not just today, but yeah. in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. And go for it. Oh, I was just going to say, money clouds our vision of what's really important. Yeah. Like our life is temporary, and one day when Jesus comes back, it will begin eternity. And so temporary positions need to be framed up in light of eternity. Mm. And the conflict there, and I, I was saying this a little minute ago, and I just as we continue this in light of this passage, I keep thinking of how like the reason money ends up being God's chief competition is that we truly ascribe divine attributes to it. Mm. Like we, we really think of it as our source of security. We really think of it as as our place of satisfaction and a thing that we can have significance, which means like as we size people up, we, we evaluate each other based on the, the amount of money and basically, okay, yeah. Say I so I'm better than or or you know or they're better than me based on mm. who who makes more or you feel like you have a sense of peace or even mm. like that that the fears and worries and concerns that you have in your life will be eliminated if you just had a little more and mm. I find that to be the one of the 
biggest barriers and driving forces. Yeah. And and just just life and the reality of it is the chase for more. Yeah. And life is more than money. Well, I mean, it's crazy. I've even heard it said along the lines of like, I mean, think about the way in which we grow up in culture today. Like the majority thing that drives your life is school while you're growing up. And it's all to achieve an education so you can get a job, so you can get money mm. that provides comfortability. And it's like, do well while you're young. Yeah. Because, and they're all priming you. You need to do well so that when you get a job, you can live comfortably, have yeah. enough money to survive, to have the American dream of this utopia yeah. that we want, yeah. of having enough to afford the car, to have the house, to um, spoil your dogs. Well, you know? and, the, and the thing is, and, and the, the pursuit of that is, well, then if, if everyone lives in comfort, then there'll be no conflict. Mm. And, it's, and, and, it's, and you see the foolishness of that is when everyone is in, is in comfort, that doesn't automatically eliminate the conflict between people. Mm. And that's where, that's really what, what you see in, I would say, our culture today is, is it's not just in the way we're educated, but it's also in this... I mean, I, I don't. I'm, I'm hesitant to go there, but I almost, almost think we need to go there. And that's it's it's in the contrasting political visions of, of our day. Is it's all about the redistribution of wealth and the comfort of people. Mm. And in terms of what is the best solution, is does the group need to provide the best solution, and whose group provides the best solution? Or is it the individual that ultimately should decide for themselves on the best solution? But even in the midst of all of that, what's, what's the goal? What's, what's the competition about? It's economics. It's wealth. It's comfortability. Yeah. And what is driving all that? It's, it's the finances. Yeah. It's, it, it is, it is the, the major driver of our day. And I think you're starting to see some some shifting priorities, but for whatever reason, the difficulty as these shifting priorities try to manifest themselves, you, you always see that lurking, mm-hmm. that lurking pull of, well, if there's just a little bit more, if, there, if we just had a little bit more, we'll be able to, to move things in such a way that it will eliminate conflict, that it will provide the comfort, and it will provide, in some sense, what I would throw another C out there, the control that people so desperately desire, mm. which are all false idols and will always fail people um, because life is unpredictable. Yeah. Uh, like people, <laughs> people, people are broken. Like we're going to sin. We're going to mess up there. It, it can't provide and meet all the desires that really the heart longs for. And, and what the heart longs for is ultimately a creator, God, set in the course of eternity yeah. and that's 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 what we need what we should be drawn to and what we should give our life to but money gets in the way of that yeah it does and it's that's crazy when you begin to identify some of those things and one of the things i love that you drew out of this passage uh specifically you drew out almost uh three places in which people can identify with with their finances mm. and you threw out the term not enough okay enough and extra. And I, I love that there is, you encourage people to like identify maybe where you're at. Yeah. And I, I love a little statement that you made of <laughs> sometimes it's very easy for us to, um, 
maybe identify where we are, but where we actually are might be something different. Mm. Uh, so Kyle, like, first off, let's, let's kind of dive into that a little bit. Okay. You have these three terms. Uh, first off, like, how are we able to accurately identify where we are? Mm-hmm. And then let's kind of dive into those what it means to be a part of those different ones and how we can live out generosity in each of those. Yeah. So, so what I would say is how you know where you are is in the most practical sense, make a budget. Mm. Categorize all of your daily necessity living expenses. Yeah. And, and see, does, does that exceed or is that lower than your income? Mm. I mean, I mean, right there, because because if 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 what you if what your expenses are are lower than your income, well then you have enough. I and, w- and what's so challenging with this is I think sometimes we get caught up and go back to your bad habits, your bad habits yeah. piece. And sometimes we we get into these bad habits where it's like, well, we think we need a Dutch Bros coffee every week on our way to Generations Church, and so when you start to add that up, if you do that every day a week, I mean, and Dutch Bros. Like Dutch Bros, I like BlackRock. Yeah. It's like if if you spend the money there, though, it's like that can that can. I mean, just think you're in the neighborhood of maybe forty dollars, you know, probably a month, and that's that's probably on the low end if, yeah. if we're getting there. And what you're saying is, well, if money is tight, when you actually look at the budget, well, that's a that's an expense that's part of your living. Yeah, that's not a necessity, and you feel tight, and what you and what. Again, what the, the perceived versus the actual is, mm-hmm. is actually you do have enough, but some of the choices and where you spend your money make it feel like you don't have enough. enough. Yeah. And what I love is some of the most joyful, happy people are some of the poorest people in the world. Mm. So, I mean, if, if you've ever taken a mission trip to another country or, or visit, and it's like, these people don't have much, but they're some of the most happy, most joyful people. Why? Because they view as if they have extra. Mm. And you're, you're thinking quantitatively. It's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you're like, like you're yeah. living on a couple dollars a day. Yeah. So it's all about perspective. And so the actuality of what do you have enough? Is your, is your income greater than your expensive? expenses versus your actual expensive that's that's how you know if you have enough or not enough and i don't want to minimize this some people legitimately even in our own church community yeah their expenses are greater than their income yeah and and they're living like and there's no there's no margin there yeah it's and, like and, it's bare minimum like we've scraped away so it's straight necessity it, yeah. it is straight necessity and that's the power of where again the church community comes in to help provide and to help people get to a place of moving to where to where there is enough when yeah. when when the income is greater than the expenses and yeah. and as a church we love to do that that's yeah. why one of our values is give over get because yeah. we love to help meet some of those tangible needs that way to help yeah. move people towards a place where they will actually have enough mm. and recognize in the midst of that that as they have enough that actually there's some extra in there usually somewhere that allows them to be generous and creative in their generosity and that's that's even where that extra comes in Mm. is because as you as you scrape away sometimes some of the the non-necessities um as you as you get down to the core of the essentials 
you you often realize that there is some extra and that yeah. there is some margin or but that that requires some discipline and i i think that's that's also what what we have a tough time with mm. is to do the discipline of both giving to god what is his mm. and and living off a a percentage meaning living having our expenses truly be lower than our income so we can be generous yeah is a really tough dis- it, it truly it's a discipline and yeah. it doesn't come naturally to us yeah and one of the things that you kind of almost encourage in a sense that if it's not sacrifice it's not sacrificial to give out of extra mm-hmm. and so especially those people who maybe are in that pool where they're doing well financially there's yeah. extra there's that comfort comforter ability man i can't speak today it's okay i haven't yeah. had enough coffee um <laughs> but what what does it look like to get to that point in which it is sacrificial mm. like is there a line in which we hit, or is it just more of a feeling that we have that's like, <laughs> oh, that hurt? Uh, like, what what yeah. does that actually look like? So, so John, here's what I'm not gonna do. I'm not gonna give that that magical like line. There's here. not a line. That there is there is not <laughs> a line, and I, and I think some people will go, well, Kyle, you know, isn't 10 percent, you know, tithing, you know, in the in the Old Testament, you know, isn't that what we're supposed to do? And it's like, well, yeah, but but 10 percent for you because of what the extra that you have may not like. Like you may be yeah. way above that line, so ten percent actually isn't sacrificial at all. Yeah, and I was talking to someone even this week as we were talking about the financial aspect, and they were like, and we were kind of going back and forth, and it was like, man, if you start to add up how much like the Jewish community and and Israel and the Old Testament, it's like they were giving more like twenty ish percent of mm. of their their total income <clears throat> to 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 Levites to the priests to in the temple. And so it's like, man, you start to think about that. I mean, that, that would really blow up some people's framework if we start to say, yeah, it's really not, it's not 10%. It's actually more like 25. Yeah. I mean, that, that would wreck some people. Yeah. And, and my point in all that is I'm not sitting here saying, oh, you, we need, we need to aspire. That's the line. Is 20. You're not saying it's 25. Yeah, I'm not saying it's 25%. Okay. What, what I'm saying is we take our posture and IQ from Jesus. Mm. He gave sacrificially. So what is sacrificially to you? And if you're unwilling to wrestle with that personally with God mm. and practically in your budget, there's an alignment that, or there's an adjustment that needs to bring you back into alignment. Mm. And, and here's, here's the thing is, is what, one of the things is that I think we're willing to do. And I know we've done with people before is get really practical with budgeting. You yeah. and I both kind of just kind of nuts and bolts in our background go, yeah. I mean, just like, let's, let's just write all the expenses and, and go through all the details. Yeah. And that can be uncomfortable and that can, that can be yeah. fearful. But no, if, if, if you are interested and willing to do that, like, we will do that, like no yeah. judgment. Yeah. And here, here's, here's why I say that, is the only way I, I am able to do that with people is because someone had to do that with me. I, I remember, and it was just a discipline that my parents built into me, is I remember growing up and whether you get a few coins, you know, out of the car or, you know, my parents had me like a dollar bill or something like that. I, I had this bank, or I had this, this piggy bank and it was divided into three slots and it was save, 
give, and spend. Mm. And what you saw is you saw 10% of what, what you got was to save, 10% was to give, and the rest was like, go blow it, like go, 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 yeah. go spend it. And I think when we learn to live in such a way where it's like, hey, we're being a good steward for our future, mm. and I just our vision is for generations to come. Yeah. I think people forget is like, I think we want to leave, be generous, not just temporarily, yeah. but for generations to come, which means you have yeah. to save. I'll table that conversation probably another day. But save 10, give 10, and live on the rest. And if we can just, if you can just discipline yourself and get down to the practicality, yeah. what that will allow you to do is, is I think just figure out like what actually is enough and adjust living accordingly. Yeah. Accordingly, and that means that you'll have to say no to some things. Yeah. Which again, we don't like being told <laughs> no, and we don't like saying no. Yeah. But in some ways, the most loving thing we can actually do for ourselves mm-hmm. is, is say no to good things to achieve some great things. Mm-hmm. And the great thing is aligning our heart with God. Yeah. Which means some some tough discipline there. Yeah. I... So. I, I love that, and it's never a fun conversation no. to have, but it it is a real conversation that sometimes gets avoided and kind of glanced over. And at the root of it, it's uh, I, I liked one of the things you mentioned this weekend is that um, it's not that there's this need and that all the church is is that it just wants your money. Rather, it wants to see your heart aligned with yeah. God out of this. And so, um, Kyle, let's. We've talked a little bit about the extra aspect. Okay. Um, let's go to the people that maybe you just kind of struggle and don't have enough. There's because realistically, we've talked about this. Yeah. There, because of um, circumstances, because of, of the unpredictable and the things of the world, there are people that struggle yep. and they don't have that extra. And their necessities go above the income mm-hmm. aspect. And I, I know some of the stuff you talked about this weekend was you even encouraged them that like. They aren't alone in this. Mm-hmm. That at some point we we will all have a need, yeah. and that where do you turn in the midst of that need? And your encouragement is turn to the church mm-hmm. because we are a family. Because it is Jesus who is enough. He's yes. the one who made us into a family. And so, Kyle, what? How do you practically encourage people who maybe just don't have enough? Mm-hmm. And in the midst of talking about money, like what are ways in which they can live generously? Uh, maybe financially or in some creative ways. Yeah. Well, I mean, the simple phrase, time is money. Mm. So, so, so think about, you may, you may financially may not be able to, to, to give a ton to, to the church, but you may be able to give your time in mm. some ways. Um, and I would also say at some point when you receive the generosity from the church, like you're going to be faced with the realization of as, as you move up and, and that the income becomes greater then the expenses, you're you're going to be tempted to to hold on for fear that you're put back in that prior position. Yeah. And what and what I would say is, once you have the means, the ability, mm. and it can be small and it can be simple, but just simply, you got to start somewhere. So even if it's like I have one extra dollar this week, it is worth giving in that because what will happen is is that you'll get into a scarcity mindset mm. and, and you'll get locked in that, that you won't, that you, that you'll never have enough. And so everything is not enough, but what 
in that not enough in that scarcity mindset, what you're actually doing is you're keeping a closed, tight fist on your money, and that's actually governing you mm. more more than God. And so, some of the ways that we suggested this weekend was like, hey, our our church is linked up with Fred Meyer, so it's like if you go to the grocery store, like you can use your Fred Meyer's rewards card and kick back a percentage to the church, or if you're going to buy something on Amazon, you can buy from smile.amazon.com and link that up with Generations, you know, or a legal name, Generations Christian uh, church. church. So it's like, so you can link up things that way. So just in, even some of the things in which you do, maybe you're buying some of your necessities. Yeah. There is a way through certain means that as you buy the necessities, when you do it in such a way that's compatible, again, with, with, with the churches, like you, you can actually give a percentage there. And though it's maybe yeah. a half percent or something like that, it, it's, it's a start. And it may be passive, but we're moving from that passive act to, to that active act. And so you got to be very careful, though. And that, again, I just say that scarcity mindset of you never have enough because churches get caught up in this, too. And then yeah. that's where I come at that is, is we never have enough. We're, we're living month to month. And, yeah. and, and we're not, it's like. So what will happen is, is when you get to that point is it'll, it'll, never, it'll never be enough and you hold on to it and you'll never think you have more. You never think you have extra yeah. and, you, and you maintain that tight grip. And what happens is the tighter grip that you, ma- you maintain on your money, yeah. the, I mean, actually, the, the tighter grip it has, has a hold on you. So, um, so just, just, I think remembering that point of keeping it in its proper perspective. So if you're someone who's not enough, when you can give, figure out how to give and maybe time and maybe in through like a Fred Myers or Amazon small and you're getting your necessities going that route. Um, it, it may even be in, uh, maybe you're buying some of your necessities and you buy one or two things extra that correspond not just to the church, but but something that you can give give mm. to someone else. Yeah. So uh, just just remembering that because if we're honest, we can get caught up in the temporary and forget the eternal. And what ultimately happens is I think we've said this kind of week after week is actually the more we give and the more we grow our heart and generosity towards God, actually the more blessed. We become, and the more we actually receive, yeah. because we realize that the looser the grip we have on money, the tighter grip that God's got us hold on us. Mm. I, I love it, and I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of leave you with this, and we'll throw out a little softball for you, Kyle. Like this is the end of our give over get series. Okay. As you kind of have processed through this, as, as we've kind of talked through it, kind of talked through it, and everything, and had conversations with yep. other people. What is maybe kind of your lasting thought or maybe the thing uh, that God has taught you going mm. through this or what, what is the one thing that you want to leave and almost maybe tie the series up with a bow? Oh, man, that's a, that's loaded, a, question that's a big, loaded question on the spot. Big and loaded question. You didn't prep me with. I did not. With, with that one. Um, here's what I'll say. Here's, I, guess, I guess here's what I'll say. I I didn't teach this series because our our church wasn't being generous. I actually was really looking forward to this series because the culture of Generations Church 
is generous. Mm. I mean, I in in some way, in a lot of ways, is I just wanted to affirm this value in the people of our church to, to to in some ways to say, hey, we're not perfect. We have some room to grow. And I, I haven't talked about that a little this week in our in our own church just finances. But at the same time, as as a pastor of a church plant, uh, just a few months in, I have seen the people of Generation Church be just so generous. And I think what I see God teaching me personally in all of this is... I guess I guess the way I say it is people are worth pursuing. Jesus is worth pursuing. And as we lead people to expand the family of God because of Jesus for generations to come, generosity will truly be contagious. And it'll show up in people's finances. It'll show up in people's time and where they serve. And it'll show up in people's relationships. And that will truly make a difference right here in Salmon Creek. And so give over get is a wonderful value that we can both aspire to and grow in. It is also an incredible value that's already being lived out in the people of Generations Church. Thanks for joining us on today's podcast. Please subscribe. Also, we'd love for you to share this podcast and our other social media with your family and friends. This will be a great way to hear our weekly teaching and additional conversations we're having around Generations Church. Thanks for joining us.